0: Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode of Oil & Gas Onshore is powered by mCloud. mCloud is helping businesses all over the world curb energy waste maximize energy production, and get the most out of critical energy infrastructure. mCloud is a leading provider of AI-powered asset management and environmental, social, and governance solutions. They've recently announced an all-in-one connected worker solution enabling the digital oil field and enhancing the productivity and safety of field workers across the energy interest industry. This technology is known as Asset Care Mobile, and it allows connected workers in the field to instantly access critical information about their assets in real time, communicate and collaborate with experts and other co-workers remotely, easily share photos and videos of equipment requiring repair, digitalize processes and workflows such as operator rounds and field inspections, and work more safely in hazardous environments. To learn more, visit mcloudcorp.com or by clicking the link in the show notes. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here in Zoom land with Sean Thomas, Senior Manager of Training and Development at the American Petroleum Institute, mostly known as API. Sean, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure, man. Looking at your screen right now, it looks sunny and, and I don't know if you're in Houston or not, but if you're not, where are you visiting from today?
1: I'm at our headquarters in Washington, D.C., that's where most of API is located, and we have a smaller office in Houston.
0: Gotcha. Which is interesting because you would think American Petroleum Institute would be based in Houston, but obviously with what you guys do, you're probably a little more tied to what goes on in Washington. How's everything in Washington nowadays? I'm curious. I've never been there, but you know, you see it on the news every day. <laughs>
1: Well, it's always something new and different here in Washington, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, right now, pretty quiet. Probably will be as we go into summer, particularly when Congress, you know, leaves out of session, D.C. becomes a ghost town. But okay, Yeah. But other than that, everything is, you know, it's been an interesting year by far. I don't get too involved in on for API on the policy side okay we have our experts up there that handle that I say up there I mean on the floor above us <laughs> on yeah. my floor we're more focused on standards development and programming
0: ah interesting well we have some exciting stuff to focus on today but i thought i saw on your linkedin it was something about springfield are you from springfield or is that where
1: i live in springfield virginia which is a town in northern virginia about 15 miles from downtown dc
0: oh okay so Of course, when I think of Springfield, and you've probably heard this about a thousand times, all I can think about is one cartoon that comes to mind. Do you have any idea which one that might be?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I think isn't that more modeled after like Springfield, Illinois?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I'm from Canada. So anytime I hear Springfield, all I think about is The Simpsons. You know, it's funny because... So with all the millions of people who've watched The Simpsons and Homer being, I think he was like a safety inspector or something at their nuclear plant, I started to think as I got older, it's no wonder people have such a negative connotation about nuclear because I think, and I don't know why, but I remember there was, I think an episode or there's always something like catastrophic happening, right? (laughs) So if you're a kid and you think of nuclear, you're thinking, wow, we probably shouldn't have that in our backyard. And I guess Mr. Burns, you know, he refuses to spend money on it. So the whole thing just like completely falls apart. And so yeah. Like just notable safety violations all over the place. But anyway, I just laugh because again, I don't watch Simpsons. I don't watch much cartoons anymore. But when I saw Springfield, I couldn't help but remember. The no, you're right. So I
1: think that would be an interesting study of how many people's opinions about nuclear energy is depicted from the Simpsons.
0: <laughs> you know, it sounds funny, but I think there's something no, I'm there. Sure there is. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah, it's... <laughs> I doubt they had that intent going into it, but you never no. nowadays <laughs> you never know. It's like maybe they'll switch it up and throw another energy source in there at one point. But anyway, before we keep going, I do need talking about technology and energy. I do need to highlight some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Techneep FMC. Their integrated iComplete ecosystem is digitally enabled and delivers efficiency benefits by dramatically reducing components and connections while simultaneously providing real-time data to operators about the well-pad operations. Technip FMC continues to push the limits in order to achieve full frack automation. To discover more about all the benefits of iComplete, click the link in the show notes or check them out on LinkedIn. So this is a really important episode, more specifically on a topic that I don't think gets enough attention. You know, especially with all the headwinds we face in the oil and gas industry, we're here to discuss Skills Ready, which is a program designed to help the next generation of oil and gas professionals prepare themselves for a wonderful career in the petroleum industry. So, Sean, I really am just curious. You know, tell us a little bit about Skills Ready and then I want to kind of get to know more about you and your journey, but I do want to make sure we kind of kick things off and add value to the audience talking about Skills Ready.
1: Yeah, great. So, as much of what API does as a trade association with members, organizations, this is really an initiative that was driven by our members. We have made a principle and a real focus on diversity, equity and inclusion. And there have been a number of new initiatives over the last year that are being started, again, driven by the industry and by our members. And one in particular, the Skills Ready that I have been involved with, involves looking at new ways to bring diverse talent to our companies at the entry level. Many of our members have excellent programs in terms of recruitment and training, apprenticeships, internships that bring in their workforce at all different levels, but there has not been a real focus at the entry level in terms of the job category. And so as challenged by our members, we have worked with leading experts to create a segment-wide training, job readiness training, meaning that this is not just for upstream, midstream, downstream, but to cover the gamut: manufacturing, servicing, maintenance, construction, all of those groups were sitting at the table to come up with a curriculum that said, yes, this is what everyone needs to know, no matter what organization they're stepping into or what role that they are stepping into. And so a 16-week training curriculum was developed. We're doing it in partnership with San Juanto Community College. They've been some of the main content drivers through their petroleum technology department. They will also serve as faculty for our first course that will open in august so it's a job readiness program for folks at that level Mm. but also more importantly, it's a job awareness program. You know, in Houston, we think about it and it's launching in Houston. That's where San Juan Cinto is located. And there's, a I'm sure, a working knowledge of most folks in that area of what's offered in ONG, since that's where many of our companies are have a strong presence in. But the ultimate goal is to expand it throughout the United States and then even looking internationally, to where this program will bring the opportunities that ONG has to areas of the country that
0: typically aren't aware
1: just cuz there's not facilities in their back door.
0: Yeah, that was a great sort of segue, you know, into explaining it. You did a great job describing what it is and you know, I've been in this industry now, you know, since 2004 and what I've noticed for such a long time is that It's, you know, through time, we've had a harder and harder time retaining talent, uh, especially with the volatility of the market recently. I know a lot of folks have left who aren't coming back. They're tired of, you know, the craziness. I'll say that I think operators are doing a good job of sort of at least, I wouldn't say protecting themselves from the downside. And I guess in a way they are, but really just being aware that there's so much volatility. And so how can we kind of at least reduce the impact when things do go sideways but there's still that sort of fear amongst people. And then even as you know, young professionals, I don't know too many people that I've got a younger brother-in-law amongst his friends that are eager to get into oil and gas. They wanna go work for Amazon. They wanna go work for Apple. They wanna go work for the latest and greatest tech company. And arguably I think oil and gas has awesome technology and there's a lot of tech companies entering the space, but the reality is just you know finding good talent, top tier talent is tough. And in training folks to get in entry level, is extremely challenging, not only as a nation we're faced with labor challenges, but I would think even more specifically on the oil and gas side. So I highly commend API for, you know, kind of stepping out and doing this, which, you know, I'm curious, do you have an idea as to like why the API came out with this? I'm sure there's real purpose behind it. Do you have any idea how that kind of got started?
1: Yeah, I think there was a number of drivers behind it. And even to go back to your point that you just made, but also the point that we started off this conversation with where people's perceptions of nuclear energy may be driven by the Simpsons cartoon. Well, folks are, I think, have perceptions of ONG as, well, if I get a job in oil and gas, that means I'm on a rig, you know, somewhere and I'm one of the, you know, the grimy job and the day in and day out. And we're not talking about the new technologies, the problem solving, the innovations that are coming to our industry and the tackling of, you know, many problems that our companies are committed to tackling and being a part of that, you know, transformation and being a leader on the front lines to that. And so, yeah, that's why I said there's a big component of the job awareness Aspect of this because these students, when they go through these programs, they're not just learning about the fundamentals of oil and gas and basic safety and systems, but they're meeting leaders from these companies and they're learning about not only what the opportunities are currently, but what the opportunities are in the future and to advance those skills and work with leading technology, work with unmanned vehicles and things like that that are becoming more commonplace in our industry. So I think, yeah, one, it is to fight that you know perception was one reason behind it, which then puts up barriers to the pipe stream that we're looking for. But also many of our facilities, and rightly so, I mean, this is true anywhere. I mean, I grew up in a small town in the middle of central Indiana. We have quite a few factories. Frito-Lay has a factory there. There's a candy maker other factories in the area and the people who work there, the people who live around there. Well, that's true for many of our facilities on, you know, particularly at, again, at the entry level, the people who work there, the people who live around there. And so they're aware of that. Well, eventually that pipe stream is not always going to be flowing as much as it is or has been, you know, in the past. So we have to, and also think about, you know, where are, Folks who can provide a new and more diverse view and perspective to the job and a more diverse, you know, workplace or just, you know, not only just demographics, but just regionally and everything that enhances a workplace and a work site. So, this will allow us to have a program where, you know, we can go set this up, like I said, in Indianapolis and Indiana, where maybe we're not doing a lot of recruiting in our industry because there's not facilities in their backyard. Or we can go set it up in Atlanta or, or you know, Rhode Island or wherever that we are not currently located and not only introduce what opportunities that folks in those areas could have in entering our industry, but then also providing them that needed job skill development so that they can be
0: successful in walking into one of our organizations. Yeah. You touched on so many good points. And I mean, because the future of oil and gas you know, relies on the next generation of people coming into the industry. So right now, you know, kind of taking a step back and a 30,000 foot view, you know, like I remember growing up in high school and in the really what caught my attention was either talking to folks, maybe TV commercials that got me interested in different careers. You know, and as a child, it's like, oh, firefighter, policeman, professional football player, you know, the kind of the high level ones. And kind of an interesting take on that is I went actually this morning. I had my daughter's celebration. She's graduating kindergarten. And you know, it's funny because they go through kind of a roll call of each student. And it's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And if you take a guess, how many do you think said that I want to be in oil and gas? Yeah, <laughs> there was none right Zero now. Granted yeah. you're here in kindergarten, but where I live is predominantly energy related professionals in our suburb. None of which, none of the kids. And I actually, some of the fathers that are in her class or, you know, for to the kids that are in her class or oil and gas. None of them said, I want to be like my dad and be an engineer, or I want to be in oil and gas. They all said, you know, fireman, policeman, doctor, One kid who I admire actually, he wants to be a YouTuber. Can't blame him. But none of them said oil and gas. And you know, and why is that? Well, I mean, you know, again, none of them said they want to work for Amazon either, but I think it's how do we get in front of the youth to make it an exciting career path? And whether that's engineering, whether it's science, whether I mean business development, I mean anything business related, is is how do we get in front of the youth? And right now, where's all the attention? It's on tablets, it's on phones, it's on social media, it's on podcasting. And so I, I would encourage API, especially if you're kind of embarking on this journey, is find the underpriced attention and communicate your initiative at scale because that's how we're gonna get people. And it's all about brand. We have to build, not necessarily the brand of API, but we have to build the brand of oil and gas mm-hmm. and really you know make it an attractive industry because if not, it's going to be an uphill battle. And so, again, huge shout out to yourself and the rest of the organization to do this skills ready program. I think that's certainly a great start. Um, but beyond that, it's all about marketing. How do we market ourselves as an industry to kids in high school, or perhaps you know, kids that are recently grads, or even you know, looking to make a career change in their twenties? Who knows? But yeah, I think it's awesome. And so, one of the questions I guess I have is like, once say someone goes and does it 16 weeks. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, we tie it into the timeframe of the semester, whatever academic partner that we're working with. So the uh-huh. fall semester, San Jack runs for
0: 16 weeks. So that program will run for 16 weeks. Gotcha. Okay. So what can one expect perhaps some, and again, I'm sure there's lots of what they learn, but just in general, what can someone expect once they're done, perhaps some skills and what kind of credibility is it like? Do you get a certificate? Do you get like a diploma or what do they get to them help market themselves to the industry?
1: No, that's a really good question. And one I love to really explain and go into detail about because this really is. And when I get an opportunity, because right now much of our outreach has been to Local high schools in Houston, reaching out to their technology and engineering curriculum folks, the guidance counselors, others. And when we do get in front of an audience and we're able to talk about it and we go into more detail about really what is the return on investment for the student to participate on this. I mean, you just see the faces really start to light up because they're like, wow, that is so cool that you guys are doing that. So there's a lot of takeaways that we feel our students are going to get from this program other than just the hard skills development and knowledge as the curriculum is focused on. Not only though, are you going to be able to create a cohort of other like individuals who are going through basically the same phases in that. Will be a network for you as you all find opportunities within our different companies. On the other side, like I said from the beginning, this has been a true investment from the industry and from our members. This was not a program that API said, hey, we should do this, and hopefully our members, you know, grab onto and want to endorse. This came from them and they have been very supportive from the very beginning, not only offering up their expertise in terms of their development, but many of them are spending time assisting us with the outreach, but they also want it to be involved in the course itself. And so every week you're going to have an opportunity to meet leaders from our different organizations. You're going to be have the opportunity to go to site visits and see these facilities so that we don't have to just talk about them in the theoretical sense, but things that you are talking about in the classroom, you're going to see firsthand and have firsthand knowledge on. You may have a day spent with an executive from a human resource office who's going to help you in how should you address this experience as you're interviewing for jobs, you know, working on your interviewing skills. There's all types of other activities that we will do with industry leaders so that they're working on their communication skills, their leadership skills, even basic writing skills in terms of their development, they do walk away with an API certificate, which will make them stand out in the marketplace. But they're also being tied into a networking organization that we are partnering with called Opportunities at Work. And this is a private firm that helps individuals who are looking for jobs and helps them in connecting their skill sets to opportunities and opportunities at work. It's become a great partner with API and, and with the industry as we're moving forward on these new de initiatives. But initiatives. Also, many of our industry members are starting to come forward and say, we will interview your graduates. We can't awesome. ca- guarantee jobs, but we'll interview them. And so we have been, not only do we have a great list of, like I said, member companies at the forefront who have been involved from the beginning and are committed to this, because this is indirect, you know, benefit, you know, to them, but we're also doing that industry awareness is why a podcast like this is important. So the other members of the industry are understanding that this program is happening, that we're building upon it, where our goal is to have hundreds of these students, you know, coming out annually of these programs, like I said, located regionally. And so that we have established a more steady pipe stream of talent that's coming into our industry, no matter what segment of the industry that your organization
0: operates out of. Right. No. And I think one thing that's really cool too, is like right now, if I was willing to guess, I would say there's a large majority of people getting, like whoever enters the industry are close to some basins, right? Whether it's Gulf Coast, Oklahoma, Louisiana, perhaps Mississippi, Alabama, the Northeast and then, you know, say Denver and surrounding states, but to really, to pull talent and not be, I guess, kind of landlocked with regards to where you pull talent from, I think is critical too. Cause there's a lot of folks that, I mean, maybe familiar with the energy industry who, like you said, grow up in some rural part of the country who aren't familiar, but if they can get tied into the system and, you know, all of a sudden move to the big city of bright lights in Houston, or, you know, they want to go work and they kind of like the outdoors and they want to go work in the Rocky mountains or North Dakota or Montana. Again, like, I just think, you know, if you don't know about opportunities that exist then how do you take them? Right. So being able to kind of spread the awareness around to the entire country, or at least get in front of folks that otherwise wouldn't get the opportunity, I think is critical.
1: Uh, And one thing, too, I forgot to mention earlier as well is that our training programs at API are accredited by the International Accreditors of Continuing Education and Training, which is one of the highest accreditations that a training program can have. And with that, we can award internationally recognized continuing education units, and they're not only recognized on a professional level for many board certifications and other types of licensing that Folks may need to have in terms of continuing training to maintain license or certifications, but they are also recognized by many academic institutions. So they can be transferred to academic credit. So the students are going through this program who may get on with an apprenticeship somewhere or an internship somewhere or an entry-level job with one of our member organizations, and then ultimately want to go and pursue maybe that two-year p degree or some other type of engineering degree so that they can advance and work their way up within the organization, this program isn't going to set them off track. They will have earned transferable college credit that they can apply then towards when they start work towards the degree. Or if they're choosing to start even working towards a degree right away and want to take this additional, you know, training, they can do that, you know, as well. And so there's, again, this is purposely designed to not be something that is going to, one, create a barrier for people to be able to create, even to the point that, Our curriculum is mostly e-learning and then you meet with your faculty virtually except for a few times throughout the semester where you actually go into the facility and touch the equipment and do some hands-on training but we didn't want even transportation to be a barrier or have the students feel like they're going off track by working on this program so if they wanted to work full-time doing something else in preparation while they go through this training, they would have that opportunity because the training is offered in such a way that they could be pursuing, you know, other college courses, working or whatever, even being a caregiver if need be as they pursue this training.
0: No, that's awesome. And then, like you said, is really eliminating any restrictions for folks to, and you know, kids to get out and do it. Okay, so you said it's mainly virtual, with you know the opportunity to meet with you know faculty, or I guess depending on where you're at, to be able to go visit a facility or to spend time with an executive or something like that. Most of my audience is already you know existing professionals, perhaps some kids in college, but you know for the parents who are listening out there to uh, say, hey, you know, I'd love for my kid to get signed up or to get more information. I have the link that was given in an email, so I'll put make sure and put that in the show notes, but. Is it as simple as kind of going through just kind of signing up or is there a vetting process or how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. It is as simple as in terms of applying by going to that link and clicking on the application. We are keeping it limited through the first go around just because of the hands-on aspect. You know, you can only have so many people in a lab at a time. So if we do ultimately reach kind of a larger mass of applications, there will be a selection process. Our academic partners are handling the selection process, but the criteria that we provided them, and that was a big conversation. And again, I think our companies are saying, you know, and coming back and saying, you know, we don't want to put any artificial barriers on this. So we don't have like hard fast, like if you don't have this GPA, you're not going to be accepted. We do ask for high school transcripts or GED to demonstrate some aptitude. So that can be taken into consideration. But the other major factor is just the essay. And this is a free program. And again, this is an investment by the industry. They're funding it. Okay, And They are helping fund the payments that we're giving to the academic partners for them to host the program and covering the cost of their registration to our academic partner. So this is a free program. But with that being said, you know. As we've all experienced, like, you know, we've we've all signed up for a free course online or something like that and then chose, oh,
0: I'm too busy. I'm not going (laughs) to
1: attend
0: Yeah, That's kind of my thought, right? Is oftentimes when you pay for something, you're more likely to take it. Yeah, you're more
1: likely to. So we want to see that motivation in the essay. Like if we're investing a lot in you. So we want to see why you're worth that investment and tell us, you know, give us those reasons why in that essay. Uh, So if I tell anyone a good piece of advice is is don't blow off the essay, (laughs) you know, take it serious and let us know that this is something that you're going to seriously commit to because your retention is valuable to us. And we want to make sure that you get through the program successfully.
0: Cool. And I'm sure there may be folks out there listening too that want to either get involved or contribute or spawn. I mean, are there opportunities for companies out there if they want to get in touch with API to kind of help support this, I guess, movement or initiative for the younger generation? Because I'm sure there are, especially right now that's, you know, times are busy, you know, companies are, you know, Mm -hmm. a little more financially stable than they were in 2020. So they may be willing to kind of get out there and spend a lot of the hard-earned money on the future up-and-comers.
1: No, that's great. Yeah. And we are taking those meetings as more word is getting out about Skills Ready. I'm not only hearing from companies, but I'm even hearing from other trade associations who Perfect. may be a little bit more focused on certain sectors of ONG than as we are more broad as we cover all segments with API. And they're telling us like, yeah, I mean, what you're addressing and with this program is what our members are telling us is one of their big problems right now, which is finding those talent pipe streams, bringing in new and a diverse workforce to their organizations. And so how can we get involved? and what i would tell anyone who may be interested is to just reach out to me and i could provide my contact information for the podcast notes as well it's also available on the website for skills ready which you'll have a link for and reach out and let's have a conversation we are always looking for more volunteers too who want to find a way like hey i can come in and talk to this group about such and such or they're welcome to come and visit our facility we would love to show them around or, yeah. you know please let us know when they, these folks are graduating so that we can you know be a part of the vetting process
0: and the selection process as they're looking for their opportunities coming out of the program. Yeah no that's excellent. So a lot of exciting stuff happening and opportunities for people to get involved. And so I, I do you know want to also offer you the opportunity you mentioned even before we started recording APIs, you know some other initiatives and things that come out so on the quality management system side. Yeah, if you could, yeah, go ahead and just share us kind of what we had talked about before so people are aware of what's new and, and coming around the corner.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you. And, you know, not only does my department oversee the Skills Ready program, but we are overseeing training and are the training department for API. I have skilled training providers located all over the world who offer training in a multitude of different countries in different languages. And one of the leading areas of training that we support is in quality management systems that are tied to our API spec Q1, which is quality management systems for manufacturers, and API spec Q2, which is quality management systems for servicing. Many folks may be aware, but if not, Q2 just recently had a new edition put out, which is just a second edition that was put out. And so not only would I encourage them, if you are a servicing organization, to get your hands on the Q2 edition or the second edition of spec Q2, but all of our training has been updated to cover the second edition. And we also offer courses on just the transition. So if you've already done Q2 training, you can take just a transition course from, well, what do I need to pay attention from that's changed from the first edition to the second? And then also as a heads up, the 10th edition of Q1, which will affect thousands of companies all over the world who are licensed to Q1, will be coming out in either late 2022 or early 2023. And that our training will reflect the 10th edition changes as soon as the new edition comes out as well. So look to API to stay up to date on all issues containing quality management systems.
0: Excellent. Again, it's critical, right? We need to stay updated and API. I mean, for the most part, anytime, you know, whether it was working in the field or even here within the office and doing lab testing, I immediately think of just like standards that we have to abide by mm-hmm. to ensure compliance and that it's recognized globally, right? Yes. Most, for the most part. So oh, yeah. 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 Global standards. Yeah. I mean- you know, it's not necessarily the sexiest topic when it's like, oh, does this be an API standard? But ultimately everyone follows it. So it's like, you know, do your part, get involved, make sure you're staying up to date on everything. Yeah. It's just, it's absolutely critical. I'm curious, this has like totally nothing to do with, you know, the skills ready or, or what you just mentioned, but, and I just thought of this, but on the carbon or emissions, Does the API get involved with any of that stuff, like saying you have to meet XYZ in terms of emission standards, like, is that becoming a thing?
1: And I would not be the most appropriate person to say that. <laughs> to yeah, no,
0: and, and you don't yeah, have to go into the details. I mean, like those, a simple yes or no is I would yeah, just like I say know. just curious, really.
1: I mean, we are looking at various standards that will have an impact. Again, all of our standards are driven by the industry, whether or not they get incorporated into regulation by the US government or other foreign governments, that those are you know government decisions that are made. But we are looking at, and I believe there are standards that currently have even most recently come out that are dealing with some of the new, you know, technologies and helping companies also in ways that may be dealing with new regulations. And then I believe there's other standards that are being researched for that, but that's someone else's other area. I would hate to speak about it because I wouldn't sound very intelligent.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. And look, I wasn't looking to you as an SME on emission standards for API. (laughs) I just was curious, you know what I mean? Because everything's getting tighter and tighter and With that being such a hot topic, I figured, you know, it's still kind of a gray area depending on which company you are and, you know, what your Mm -hmm. sort of what your vertical is within the energy space. But it just becomes, you know, more sort of critical and common as we move along in our energy transition, if you will. But no, this has been a good conversation. I'm pumped to see this type of stuff continuing to evolve and really just attracting young talent is awesome. You know what I mean? It's super important. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years, the kids at my daughter's school will say that they want to get into oil and gas and they can't wait to go do the API training. That would be a huge win.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's programs like these that do you know, allow us, because I have heard from several of our companies and talking about this and they're like, oh yeah, we have you know all types of initiatives working with colleges and universities and making them aware at that level. But we really don't have anything at the high school level. And then even when talking again to the high school staffs, what gets them excited are like, oh wow, the industry is wor- reaching out to us and you know personally and letting us know what the opportunities are. And like I said, you know once we can talk to and really explain. What this is to a high school guidance counselor, whatever, they just light up and they're like, oh, my kids are gonna be so excited about this. And and we're really hoping that we're starting that trend then, where we are now reaching folks at the high school level when they're starting to really think about what their next plans are and what their future holds, and letting them know that this is an excellent industry with well paying jobs, exciting jobs, plenty of opportunities for upward movement, and to work with leading edge technology.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. And I mean, I don't know. It almost seems too like on career days or something like that, having kind of people who represent the industry going and actually speaking with kids, getting Mm -hmm. them excited. It'd take a special individual to get high school kids excited about oil and gas, but surely there's a few of us out there that would take that on. I actually had the pleasure of speaking. I think it was Broomfield Junior High. Someone in my graduate class reached out and asked if I wanted to speak. And yeah, it was really interesting talking to junior high school kids who arguably don't know what, I mean, if you think elementary school kids don't know what they want, neither do junior high school kids. They really don't know what they want. They think I have an idea, but you know, it's just cool talking to them and just kind of getting their perspective. Like, Hey, you know, what do you know about oil and gas? Have you even thought about going into oil and gas? I'm kind of like, huh? It's yeah. like, it needs to yeah. start like when they're young, you know what I mean?
1: Exactly. Well, in our comms department did a great job putting together a career guide, actually. That's oh, also cool. linked to our skills ready. And yeah. so, you know, again, another resource for your listeners, you know, if they're talking to, you know, even their own kids or maybe, you know, hear about this and want to let someone in their community know about it, point to the website. And again, you know, the, or even get the hands on the career guide, letting them know, like, yeah, it's not just what you saw in movies. There are many different careers to choose from. Yeah,
0: exactly. In this whole industry. Oh, that's great. Well, Sean, this has been an absolute pleasure. i like to close out. We're going to pivot here. So, you know, you can take your API hat off right now. I'd like to ask a couple of personal questions. Don't worry, not too invasive. But for you, you know, kind of taking a step back, an ideal Friday night, and this will tell a lot about you. But if you had all the money in the world, you could go anywhere, spend it with whoever what would your ideal Friday night look like?
1: Ideal Friday night. That's a really good question. It would probably be treating my wife to a really nice restaurant. And if I had all the money in the world, we would pick another city in the world (laughs) in order to do that. We both love to travel. We love to experience new cuisine and everything else. So that would be a really nice Friday night. (laughs) Well,
0: Okay, well, let's get specific. Where would you go? Would you go back to Springfield or what?
1: Yeah, so that's one of the reasons we love living here in the Washington, DC area, because we feel like we have access to so many, you know, major U.S. hubs up and down the seaboard. And so yeah, we love going up to New York. We love going to Boston, Philadelphia, and then heading south. My wife's a good southerner. She grew up down there. So we're in the Florida, South Carolina, Georgia area all the time. We lived in Atlanta for several years. So you know, and every time we go back to Atlanta, there's a new restaurant to explore. So we love going down there as
0: well. Very cool, very cool. I like traveling too. We haven't quite gone to, we went to Europe one time and man, I have to say eating in Italy, the restaurants there and just the pasta and stuff. Oh yeah. If I had an opportunity to just like somehow teleport on a Friday night to a different city, it'd be somewhere in Italy and just, and one thing too that I loved about it is after every meal, it didn't matter, there was always limoncello shots
1: yeah so it was just our like, amaretto oh, shots yeah exactly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. which yeah. like
0: at the time my wife was pregnant so she couldn't partake so I ended up having two every time it was perfect
1: <laughs> yeah we did a visit to Italy several years yeah back and hit all the like Rome and Venice and Florence and yeah. man Florence is not only just a wonderful city but what a great food city too I mean the wonderful restaurants in there and and we made the mistake like this was Like I said, probably about 15 years ago is when we went and my wife had read in a travel guide that it's rude just to order pasta. And so you do need to order multiple courses. And so we we had to order like four courses every time we sat there.
0: holy smokes this went from 30 bucks to 130
1: out of every restaurant
0: (laughs) these americans they sure do eat a lot
1: (laughs) you know then you have to go walk for like two hours
0: (laughs) i I know well that was the beauty of it too you could load up on a pound of pasta and then walk around for a bit and find some random gelato place or something but see i didn't know that no wonder okay (laughs) going back hopefully we'll well we found out soon afterwards by
1: more seasoned travelers are like, you all were ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ordering
0: the spaghetti every time, and that's it. No, you're not from around here. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Sean, this has been great. Again, a huge shout out to the API for everything you guys are doing. I'll put all the links in the show notes, the skills ready, your contact information. And then if it's okay, I'll also put your LinkedIn thing in there. So other people can click on you, connect with you and hit you up on LinkedIn. That'd be great. Yeah. And so with that said to the audience, thanks again for listening. If you have any younger folks that you think are interested, please, please, you know, connect them with skills ready and the rest of the API group. And always remember when the density is up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.